0: Tonight, as I told you, why do we have missions conference tonight? We're going to speak on the fact that there is a heaven. And I don't know about you, I'm glad about that, because I've got people I love who are in heaven right now. My grandparents are there. My parents are there. For 24 years, I've taught the auditorium Sunday school class at the Lancaster Baptist Church. It's said to be people who are 60 and over. Many of my former Sunday school class members are in heaven. Heaven's a wonderful place. What a wonderful thing just to dwell upon. A great thing to think about. I had a Sunday school teacher, heard a Sunday school teacher one day say, he said this to his Sunday school class, he said, to his class, he said, if I had sold my house and my car and had a big garage sale, He gave all my money to the church. Would that get me into heaven? The children all said, no. He said, if I cleaned the church every day and mowed the yard and kept everything neat and tidy, would that get me to heaven? They said, no. He said, what if I was kind to animals and always gave candy to the children to church and loved my wife? Would that get me to heaven? Once more, they said, no. He said, man, we've got some pretty spiritually astute children here. He said, well, I continued, knowing they were a little more theologically wise than I thought. He said, then how can I get to heaven? The five-year-old boy said, you got to be dead. And uh, <laughs> There's truth to that. <laughs> Take your Bibles tonight and turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 14. One of the greatest passages in all the pages of Scripture, John chapter 14, beginning in verse number 1. We're going to read down to verse number 3. These, if you have a red-letter edition, are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, no more true than any other words of Scripture. God preserved His Word, all of it. It's inspired and preserved. But Jesus said this in John 14, verse 1 through 3, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, leave also me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Let's pray. Lord, I pray you will help me tonight as we share that missions is really because there's heaven, and we want to see more people go there. I pray you give us a burden for those who are lost here at home, and yes, around the world. Lord, again, I ask for your help tonight. Please, Lord, help me to share that which I believe you'd have me to share. And stay away from that which I should not share. I ask for your help. We know that all good things come from you. And Lord, I know we need your help tonight. We promise to give you the praise and the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank Pastor Chris. Is he still here? Did he sneak out for, wasn't sure if he went out to smoke in the back or something. Okay, he's here. Good, Okay. He's done a good job for his preacher. And brother, and I tell you, if you're watching, he's been a good host this week. And he and his wife and those two cute kids, wild but cute. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I saw him before. I didn't know they were his kids. And I said, those are two of the cutest little guys I've ever seen. And uh, he's been a blessing and a host. But he did give me some counsel. <laughs> he said, now, Dr. R, so you can go at about 9 o'clock. But he said, if you cut it a little shorter, they'll be more likely to come back the next night. What in the world? Okay, (laughs) But a wise one will hear, will increase learning. So, some people have said, if we are too heavenly minded, we're of no earthly good. I beg to differ tonight. I believe that if we're more heavenly minded, we will be of more earthly good. Let's talk about Jesus, the King of Kings is he. To be what we need to be for the Lord in this world, we must have the proper perspective. How we see things. We need to see things as God sees them. We need to live in the present, but we need to have eternity in view. Time goes by quickly. The world wants us to dwell on the temporal, pathetic temptations that it constantly offers up to us which if we would stop and think about the wonderful place God has prepared for us and put our eyes on that, the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. I'm excited that tonight we could talk about our true home. It was a burden preaching on hell last night. I'm going to tell you flat out. But I'll tell you what, it's fun to talk about heaven. It's exciting. And I hope I will give you some illustrations tonight. I really believe that with the Lord's help, you won't forget. And I hope they will actually impact your life. So I ask you to listen carefully tonight. Tonight, I want to point out, first of all, that heaven is prominent. Prominent. The word heaven is found over 500 times in the scripture. Isn't that amazing? God will put things in he wants us to be aware of. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. I have to admit, I'm a sports fan, and I was interested in the last Super Bowl. Could Tom Brady win again at the age of 83? I mean, it was an amazing thing. You Floridians, I'm sure, were excited about Tampa Bay winning the Super Bowl. I understand that. It was a big thing. I've got a friend in the Tampa area, His name is Carrie Nancy. He's a preacher. And I texted him and said, "Praying for your service tomorrow. He goes, people are crazy around here about the Buccaneers. And they did win. Tom Brady won his seventh, I believe it was. And would you like to know what the angels in heaven did? Oh. But there is great rejoicing over one sinner that repenteth, the Bible says. Romans chapter 8. For to be carnally minded is death. By the way, carnal means fleshly, as in carnivorous, chili con carne, chili with meat. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The world says peace, peace, and they have no peace. And the Bible says to be spiritually minded is peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. It'll literally bring peace to us. What do we lay up in heaven, and what are we sending on ahead? I've long said I'm more concerned about my eternal IRA than my earthly IRA. Because it's going to last a lot longer. Matthew chapter 16, verses 19 through 21 says, Lay down up for yourselves treasures about earth, where moth and dust do corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I'll tell you a story about that in my own life tomorrow night. Who is going there? This month, Warren Buffett of Berkshire Hathaway, who at sometime last four weeks, his fortune was estimated to be at over $100 billion, put up for auction a luncheon with him. It was for charity. It was to go to a charity called Glide in San Francisco that fights homelessness and addiction. He said, whoever bids the most, I will buy you lunch and give you three hours of my time. This is this month. A man by the name of Justin Sun, 28 years of age, founder of the cryptocurrency platform Tron, and CEO of BitTorrent, won the bid for lunch with the Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett. He paid $4,567,888 for a three-hour lunch. That was the entrance fee to a lunch with Buffett. But can I say this? You can't buy your way into heaven. It's free. As rich as Jeff Bezos is, or Mark Zuckerberg, or Warren Buffett. You can't buy one day in heaven. It's a free gift. So heaven is prominent, mentioned over 500 times. Secondly, heaven is a literal place. A literal place. The Bible says Matthew 5, 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's where God is. Psalm 11, verse 4 says, "The Lord is in His holy temple; the Lord's throne is in heaven." The Lord's prayer begins. You know the words, "Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven." That's where God is. I love the name, the Father's house. <laughs> I just like that. The Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 2, In my Father's house are many mansions. It's a place. Heaven's a place where God lives and will live forever. The Bible says in Psalm 23, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord Forever. Forever. Thirdly, tonight, heaven is precious. It's precious. A little girl was taking an evening walk with her father and she looked up at the stars and exclaimed to her dad, Daddy, if the wrong side of heaven is so beautiful, what must the top side be like? We have no idea. What makes heaven precious? I'm going to share several things to you tonight I hope you'll dwell on. Number one, Jesus is there. I know that my Redeemer liveth. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24 says, For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. He's at the right hand of the Father. The Bible says, Ever living to make intercession for us. He's our advocate. This is a place where someday we can touch the nail-scarred hands. That's an amazing thought. Many years ago, Fanny Crosby, the blind songwriter, an amazing, amazing woman, you might want to read her biography sometime, she wrote the words, and I shall see him face to face and tell the story saved by grace. (laughs) I like that. I like that. Remember, this lady was blind from infancy. She lived to be 95 years of age. And the first thing she saw was Jesus. That's just good to think about. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. We think of heaven, we think about our Redeemer. Secondly, we think about our relationship. Relationships are a really important thing. I had lunch with some friends today that I taught in college over 25 years ago. They're good friends. Their daughter just graduated from West Coast this last year. It was just good fellowship. Probably the one thing I missed, not getting to see my friend, Pastor Lytel. Think about the relationship there. The Bible says this in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, to the generally assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, listen now, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. That's us. We're saved. The spirits of just men made perfect. That verse is on my mother's tombstone. She's now one of the just men made perfect. On earth, our sins are forgiven because of Christ, but in heaven, there will be no sin, no sickness, no death, no night. On earth, you see damaged and broken relationships in any direction that you look. In heaven, our relationships will be perfect. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says, They were all with one accord in one place. Someday, it will be like that for every believer. We'll all be with one accord. And in one place. In Hebrews chapter 12, it refers to the great cloud of witnesses. What a relationship. The heroes and heroines of the faith that are spoken about in Hebrews chapter 11, they're there gathered together with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see a Redeemer, we see a relationship, we see a residence. It's where we're gonna live forever. It's it's hard to imagine, it's hard to comprehend and even wrap our mind around that sometimes. But it says in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 20, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Most of us know the song. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing by. My treasures are laid up. Are we laying up treasures? In this home or the other home? It's not our home. But we also see our reward. And I really want to emphasize this tonight because there will be a time in heaven when we can receive crowns. I'm going to talk about those crowns just briefly tonight. And why are these crowns important? Because we will be able to take those crowns and lay them at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's an amazing thing. I lived in Chicago for 14 years. I read about a man who had himself buried in his Cadillac with a cigar in one hand wrapped around the wheel and $100 bills through every finger of the other hand wrapped around the wheel. They bought several grave plots so they could bury the whole Cadillac. As believers, we look at that we say, ridiculous, ridiculous. That's not going to help him. That's not going to go into eternity with him. I once heard a man say, I never saw a hearse pulling a U haul. I think that each and every one of us ought to think about do our giving while we're living so we're knowing where it's going. I like that. There's five crowns. First of all, there's a crown of righteousness. The Bible says this is a crown for those who are watching for His coming, looking for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, living with His coming in view. Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. I was reading something today written by John Bunyan. He called it nine steps to backsliding. You could Google it. Bunyan said the first step to backsliding is we forget about our salvation. We forget about the day that God saved us. He said, another step to backside, we stopped giving. He gave some other steps. All of a sudden, he said, Your friends are in the world rather than with the church and not living with eternity's values in view. We see a crown of righteousness. Secondly, there's an incorruptible crown. The Bible says this is for those who live for eternity. First Corinthians chapter 9 the Apostle Paul writing to the church of Corinth said in verse 24, know ye not that they which run in a race run all but one receiveth the prize so run that ye may obtain and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things now they do it to receive a corruptible crown but we an incorruptible therefore so run not as uncertainly so fight not as one that beateth the air, shadow boxer. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul said, I want to live the right life so I don't cause others to go the wrong direction. So a crown of righteousness, an incorruptible crown, a crown of life for those who are faithful to the end. This is sometimes called a martyr's crown. There's two crowns. I don't know if I'll ever be a Cedar pastor. I don't think God has called me to that, but Pastor Lytel can get that crown. He's the only one, the Cedar pastor. Pastor Creighton, for many years, a faithful pastor in Rhode Island, a pastor's crown. People who are faithful, will we be faithful? Those who are faithful to the end, I'll give them a the crown of life, talking about a martyr's crown. A martyr's crown. So, a pastor's crown and a martyr's crown, I don't no particularly desire to be a martyr, I hope that God will find me faithful. By the way, I believe His grace is sufficient. But that's another crown that God talks about. There's a crown of rejoicing for those who invest in others. What is our hope, our joy, our crown of rejoicing? First Thessalonians chapter two verses 19 and 20. These are some crowns. And these crowns can be placed at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. I heard a story some years ago that impacted me and I've thought about it many times since. It was that a young boy whose name was Tommy and Tommy was a prodigious checkers player. I mean, he was really, really good. Some of you might remember the name Bobby Fisher, who was that way in chess became a world champion. Well, Tommy lived in a town called Stinking Creek, Tennessee. A real place. By the time Tommy was in First or second grade, he was beating all the elementary kids like 97 times out of 100. They stopped playing with him. By the time Tommy was in third or fourth grade, he was beating the high schoolers 97, 98 times out of 100. The time he was in sixth grade, he was beating the adults 97, 98 times out of 100. And no surprise, nobody wanted to play Tommy in checkers. He'd beat them all like a red-headed stepchild. And so they kind of took advantage of the situation. And when guests came to town, they would say, hey, you play checkers? And people would say, yes. Maybe the old country store, like at a Cracker Barrel. they usually have a pickle barrel inside, a checkerboard on top. And they said, Tommy's always looking for someone to play. Would you make a little boy happy and play him? Well, make him happy because Tommy would beat him again and again and again. Well, word began to spread to surrounding towns, don't play Tommy. He's good. But one day, word came from the neighboring state of Kentucky about an old man. We'll call him Mr. Smith. I don't know his name. He was in his 80s. But Mr. Smith was really, really good too. He would beat everybody he played. And so they said, we have this guy, Mr. Smith. We'll let him play Tommy. The two towns talked about it. They picked a week about three weeks in advance and Old Mr. Smith came down with a number of cars, winding their way down in a caravan to the little town called Stinking Creek, Tennessee. They got there. The press of the crowd was so great, they couldn't all fit the country store. They moved the barrel out of the porch and they put a rocking chair on either side and blocked it so they couldn't rock. it. Tommy set the chair. The problem was he was so short he couldn't see over the board. They put a box in the chair and Tommy set the box, put his feet in the chair. Old Mr. Smith slowly leveraged himself down in the chair. He was wearing coveralls. that had been washed so many times. They were the palest shade of indigo. His old flannel shirt, you could almost see through it. It was so threadbare. He'd rolled it up about to his, about to his elbows and his arms. The skin, as with the case, was some who were extremely aged was almost translucent. It's almost like you could look through and see his veins and arteries. You could tell that old Mr. Smith wasn't used to combing his hair. He tried to kind of slick it back and it was sticking up in places like errant shocks of wheat. But his eyes were still sharp and keen. As he leveraged himself down the chair, he looked across at Tommy and said, go ahead, Sonny. Take the first move. And Tommy didn't like that. He felt the old man had kind of dissed him. Disrespected him. He kind of went, huh? And the game began. Tommy took a piece, and Tommy took another piece, and a third piece, and a fourth, and finally, old Mister Smith got a piece. And then Tommy took a fifth piece. He looked up at his sister, was quite accomplished herself. Like you could beat this guy. Kind of went, huh? And Tommy reached out and took a sixth piece. And old Mr. Smith said, you shouldn't have done that, Sonny. He reached out his head and went, boom, 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 boom. And said, crown me. And now with the king in the back reaches the board, as you know, they can move forwards or backwards. He began to mow through the board. And in a few minutes, the game was over. And old Mr. Smith had won the game. Tommy was crestfallen. The old man pushed himself up and said, keep practicing, Sonny. (laughs) Put a little salt in the wound. And he slowly went over and began to make his way down the stairs. And taking one step at a time, he was slowly coming down and was about halfway down. And Tommy cried out. He said, sir, can I ask you a question? He said, what is it, son? He said, how'd you do that? And here's what old Mr. Smith said sometimes you have to give up a few pieces to get the crown. I think the Lord Jesus Christ will ask His church, are we willing to give up a few pieces so that someday He can give us a crown and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I think when that day comes, we will all say, It was worth it. Anything we've sacrificed, be it time, be it talent, be it treasure, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. It'll be worth it all. We also see in heaven that our riches will be there because we've laid up treasures in heaven. We'll see our reservation is there. The Bible says in Revelation 21, verse 27, there shall no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever walk abomination or make the lie. But they, which are written in the Lamb's book of life, is your name written there? Are you helping others to get their name written there? I heard the story told about an old man who dreamed he was swept into heaven. He was so delighted he had last gotten there. All at once, someone came to him and said, I want to show you something. He said, look over the battlements. He said, look down there. What do you see? He said, I see a very, very dark world. He said, look and see if you know that world. He said, that's the world I've come from. What do you see? He said, I see men who are blindfolded, going over a precipice into a fiery pit. He said, well, would you like to stay here and enjoy heaven, or do you want to go down and try to do something about that? And when that man awakened, he realized he had a chance to do something about it. So others could go to heaven. He said, I never wish myself dead again. God will call us home at the appointed time. What he wants us to do is to keep on keeping on till that day comes. Keep serving, doing what he'd have us to do. I think about this thought that our Lamb, the Lamb's book of life, is where our names must be written. I personally believe that everyone's name is written there, and if they do not accept Christ, their name is removed from that book. Amen. I cannot prove that, but I believe that to be the case. The Bible says in Revelation 21, verse 27, And there shall no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or make a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life, those are the ones who are going to heaven. The Bible goes on and says this in Matthew 7, verses 21 and 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, by the way, what is the will of the Father? Can I tell you tonight? He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the will of the Father. That's what he wants. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied thy name? In thy name have cast out devils. In thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work in equity. There's a story told in a book called Heaven by Randy Alcorn that I don't think as long as I have an active of mine I will ever forget. Because I think this story illustrates this in an unbelievable way. I have a picture I'd like to show you tonight of a singer. This is Ruth Anna Metzger. You could Google her and tell the story. You can actually see her singing. Ruth Anna Metzger was a very, very accomplished, still alive today, very accomplished soprano. And people would hire her for different things. Someone contacted her, and they were having what I would call a high society wedding. They said, we would like to hire you to sing at this wedding. This wedding was held in the Columbia Center in Seattle. Let me have a picture of that. That's the Columbia Center. It is the tallest building in the entire Pacific Northwest. And the family that had this wedding had rented the entire top two floors. Yeah, I that one over for a little while. It was the event of the season. Anybody who was anybody was there. And Ruth Anna Metzger was invited to be the singer. What an event. He wore dressed to the nines. What a wonderful evening. They had a great time. The time came on the next to top floor for the wedding. Ruth Anna Metzger sang at the wedding. It was wonderful. When the wedding ceremony was over, they had some hors d'oeuvres. They had beverages that were available, ice sculptures that were there. And then the announcement came. It is time for the wedding dinner. There was a stairway that led from the next to top floor up to the top floor. There was a silk ribbon there, and someone cut the ribbon, and people were led by the bride and groom up the stairs. It was a curved stairway. As they went up those stairs... There was a man at the top and he had a book. And when they got there, he would say, Your name, please. And they would give their name. As he checked off the name, they were allowed in to the wedding feast. It slowed things down a little bit, but every person had to have their name checked off. Ruth Ann Metzger were following a group of people up. They got there, they said, to Ruth Ann Metzger, her husband, your name, please. She said, Ruth Ann Metzger. He'd be able to look in the book. He said, could you spell that, please? And she spelled her name. He said, I'm sorry, ma'am, your name's not in the book. She said, but I was a singer at the wedding. Everybody heard me sing. He said, I don't care. If your name's not in the book, you can't come in. He motioned a waiter over who took them to the freight elevator and took them down to the garage. They got in their car and began to drive away. Her husband said, honey, what happened? She said, well, I got an RSVP. But I was so busy, I just never sent it in. And then she began to cry. To give out the people who had never taken care of their RSVP for heaven. It's a wonderful place, friends, for people who will go there. As I heard Brother Flowers talk tonight, can I just tell you, Taiwan's a Buddhist country. It's a very difficult field. Can I say this? If only one of those people had gotten saved, it'd be worth the investment in his ministry. That they are in heaven and not going to the hell we talked about last night. Church, can I challenge you tonight? as we come out of this missions conference. You are about to take a faith promise pledge card and make a vote. And that vote will literally impact the destinies of others. Luke Wilkerson, here in the second row, And had a cousin by the name of Tyler. Tyler was a fine young man. I knew him. Tyler had a heart for missions. He told his dad, John, he says, Dad, can we turn the heat down in the house and just wear sweaters so we can give more money to missions? I would say Luke, probably one of the ten great honors of my life dealt with his life. When he was 17 years of age, he was trying to help a new school teacher move to a place of ministry where she's going to teach at a Christian school. And someone hit him as a 17-year-old, and in that accident, he lost his life. I had the high honor of preaching his funeral. There was about 2,000 people there. There was a 1,700-seat auditorium that was overflowed. There was probably eight rows of policemen from Long Beach, California there. It was an amazing thing. But I said this at that funeral. I said, thank you for going all the way to the gate to say goodbye to Tyler. Do you remember before 9-11, we'd go all the way to the gate wave bye to people on the plane? But I said, if you want to see him again someday, because I believe without a shadow of a doubt that Tyler's in heaven. If you want to see him again, All you have to do is trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's all that has to be done. That's it. Heaven, my friends, it's real. And we can be there if we trust the Lord. And as believers, I think it's so important that we help others to get there as well. I wrote one last thing down as I close tonight. As I thought about this, I believe that down through the millennia that millions and millions of people have been too busy to accept the invitation to heaven, to the wedding feast. Can I use one verse for the scripture? Let's compel them to come in. Let's compel them. Let's be serious about it. Let's pray tonight. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the fact that there is a heaven. What a wonderful thing to talk about tonight. Lord, I thank you that anyone who wants to go there can go. Lord, I pray that you will help every person here to have settled that in their own life. But I also pray, Lord Jesus, that we will help others to hear the good news I thank you, Brother Flowers, who our church supports as well, who I have prayed for. I thank you for their faithfulness there. He seeks to tell people who don't even know who Jesus is about the Bible and how to go to heaven. How to learn Mandarin. I can't help but think, Lord, if he could go to a place halfway around the world to learn a new language and take his entire family there, then certainly we ought to be faithful To let our neighbors know who Jesus is. And those co-workers who are with us to know who Jesus is. Our family and friends to know who Jesus is. Lord, I pray you help us to have a heart. To tell more people about heaven. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com.